Today on episode four of Living for Purpose, I'm speaking with Tesha McCord Poe, who is CEO and founder of Joy Raising. She's a rare philanthropy and equity expert, passionate educator and fundraiser who uses her legal and business background to leverage and support the long-term success of nonprofit organizations. We'll be talking about Tesha's journey, how she founded Joy Raising, and the importance of inclusivity in philanthropy. Welcome to the Living for Purpose podcast, a podcast about creating health and wellness and getting the life you deserve. This is for frontline fundraisers and heart-centered overachievers working for purpose and social profit organizations of all kinds. We know the work is so important and so rewarding, but I'm not going to lie, it can be just as depleting. Here's the thing, you've got to take care of yourself so that you can take care of others and the planet. I'm your host, Andrea Bell, and I made this for you. I am absolutely 100% thrilled to have Tesha McCord Poe here today with the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here too. Thank you for the invitation. You know, I just introduced you um, leading up to the, leading up to this episode, but I did want to share a few things. Tesha is the CEO and founder of Joy Raising, and she's a passionate educator and fundraiser who uses her legal and business background to leverage and support the long-term success of nonprofit organizations. What is really cool about Joy Raising, Joy Raising is a fundraising and diversity consultancy that is unafraid to have discussions about money and race in order to help the organizations that they partner with to move forward and do great things. It's an incredible mission. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. Absolutely love it. You know, Joy Raising is a really fabulous name. It gets me smiling. And I know it means a lot to you too. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came up with the name Joy Raising? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to. And um, when I talk about Joy Raising, I tend to talk fast and, and, and gush about it. So slow me down if you need to. But my middle name is Joy. And um, when I got married and started using my middle, my maiden name as my middle name, I like to say I lost my joy. So it's fun to have my joy back. But really, uh, the reason why I chose to use it is because because I do this disparate things of uh, fundraising, development, consulting, and diversity, equity, inclusion. Sometimes they come together. Sometimes I do them separately. I needed a name that could really cover both of those things. And so I, I dug deep and thought about what am I trying to accomplish in both of those instances? And it really is joy. And I don't think in either of those cases that that's what we lead with often. It's, you know, their goals or we're trying to right wrongs and things like that. But at the end of the day, I think we're all trying to um, help people to have more joy. And then the raising part is, you know, fundraising. So that's, that's obvious. But I think also with the diversity work, With any work that I do with organizations, I want to make sure that there's something tangible that they can point to. As a result of having us had this time, having had this time together, what has changed? And so that helps to guide me in terms of the way that I am approaching the work that we're doing and making sure that we're getting to to the goals that we set. And then finally, there's a dash in between joy and raising, and that's very intentional. It started with the fact that joy raising without the dash was not available as a URL. 
but that with the dash it was, and it reminded me of a of a poem called the Dash Poem. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it talks about the year we were born on our being on our tombstone, and the year we die is on our tombstone. But that dash in the middle is the part that we actually control. And to make sure that we're focused on that dash, that we do whatever we can with that dash. And so um, that reminds me that this really um, joy raising came from a passion, passions that I have, and that we have a lot of choice in what we do every day. And so I choose to do this work. And it's all about making the most of my dash. That's amazing. I had never heard about that poem before. It's like, I feel like that's going to be guiding me in the future. I'm thinking yeah. of it that way. Wow. So tell me a little bit um, more about your goals for your work with joy raising. Mm-hmm. So I have two major goals when I think about what impact do I want to have as a result of having gone on this journey. And there, there are two major ones. One is to have more people of color involved in philanthropy as professionals and as donors. And then the other is to have everyone who works in philanthropy to do that work more inclusively, because I think there's a lot of work that we can do um, when it comes to DEI and philanthropy. And so those are my two goals for the work. That is a goal that, you know, I share as a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I find that there are some fundraising shops that, you know, have that aspiration as well, but you know, they feel challenged to figure out where to start and how to do it. What would be one piece of advice you'd offer to a development department, you know, a fundraising shop that's just getting started? Sure. I think the most important one is to not think that those are at odds with each other. I often get asked, well, how am I going to make these big goals and do that inclusively? And so if we can start by setting aside the idea that that those goals need to be at odds, and in, in fact, if they're aligned, we'll do our work even better, I think that's where I would start. So how do you do that? Well, I think there's just some thinking about your mission and your values and rooting in those. Because if your mission and your values don't support inclusivity, then it's really hard for us to get past go. And so really being rooted in that and how can we live out the mission and values through through the work that we do in philanthropy, I think that that's a really good start. What And then there's often just some low-hanging fruit. Are there some traditions, some events, some ways you talk about things that are just getting harder and harder to do because they feel more and more out of place or inappropriate or uh, misaligned with other work that's happening in your organization? If that's true, you start there. And then also start with thinking about how you would want to be treated if you are a beneficiary of this work, right? Would you want to be um, characterized or portrayed in the ways that that you are doing as a, as a fundraising shop? So whether that's, you know, how do you talk about tuition assistance, scholarship, fund index tuition, those kinds of things? Are you, are you really thinking about how you would want to be represented, for example, if you are a recipient of that kind of support? So would something like, you know, doing an audit of all mm-hmm. of those communications be kind of a good place to start for some? 
I think so. What an audit might do is help you to build up those muscles so that you're using that lens more readily. Because, you know, one of the things that I'm hoping for in the work that I do with organizations is that it's that they're not looking for me to tell them how to do things more inclusively. But yet we're talking about what makes something inclusive. We're, we're examining specific examples of things that they are doing so that then when I'm not there, they're able to make those decisions on their own and they're using a set of principles or values that um, that they have that they can hold tight to to make choices that feel you know more aligned with their goals. That's great. So tell me a little bit about what you're working on right now with joy raising and what you're looking forward to most in the next few months. Yes. So I'm really excited because we really have been able to um, build some momentum about what we're doing. So I established Joy Raising in October 2019. And so that winter, I really was building up some great momentum for the spring. And then March 2020 happened and lots of beautiful plans had to be set aside. And so I, I thought, well, maybe it isn't the right time. Maybe we're not going to be able to do this. But as we all got more comfortable uh, being in a virtual space, we realized that there was a lot that we could do. And, you know, initially it was around, well, how do we do our spring events in a virtual setting? So we started having conversations around that. So that went to the fundraising piece of what we do. And then the, the world's response really to George Floyd's killing and the Black Lives Matter movement um, helped to really give an audience, a bigger audience to the diversity work that we do. And so I'm really excited because over the uh, next few months, we're going to continue to build a community. It's really going to focus on the first um, goal that I have, which is bringing more people of color into the work as um, donors and as um, professionals. And at the end of June, I'll be hold, hosting um, a, a conference that I call the Summit. And we'll have just really interesting conversations around how people of color in particular are able to do this work effectively and, and for a long time. So we'll um, have... Um, sessions with, for example, board chairs of color. What is it like to be, you know, that board person? Boards are being asked to do more than ever right now um, in different settings. And so how can you lead with with confidence and authority in those kind of settings, as well as donors. So often donors of color, even major donors of color, are not treated with the type of respect that they might be treated with. And so how do we navigate those spaces and make sure that every gift counts? For example, people who are who have navigated fundraising careers. And then I want to do one on wellness. So how do you, you know, the, the thanks that you get for meeting your goals and fundraising is a bigger goal the next time around. <laughs> so how do you how do you maintain yourself through that? How do you continue to thrive when that those are the expectations that you're always doing more? There's always always more you could do. Yeah. Um, and then there's some you know some some really um, exciting asks that I have out for speakers that I'm that I'll be excited to share pretty soon. But I'm I'm looking forward to having um, a conversation and affinity around um, that identity in a space that is I think around. 6% people of color. So it's it's really not often that we get to have that kind of conversation together. That's really fantastic. Is this something that you envision doing periodically, quarterly, annually? What does that look like? Yeah. So the conference I 
envision doing annually. I've been uh, dreaming about it for a couple of years now. And so in my original dreams, it was an in-person conference. Um, this first one will be virtual, and I hope that it will, will be in-person after that annually. And in the meantime, there are, you know, I'm building a community, an online community of folks. And I also, as a part of that community, want to bring in organizations who would be able to um, post jobs, opportunities that they have and uh, have access to professional development that we're providing and other resources so that we really can help build that pipeline. You know, people come into this space, this work from so many different experiences. There isn't one way that we come in. If you had 100 people, you'd have 100 different stories about how they got into development. And so I think it can be hard to know if you haven't come from a family who was philanthropic or you haven't, you know, you don't know exactly how to get in. It's hard sometimes to know how to enter and be successful in this space. And so I'm really trying to build up resources um, so that more people can find their way in because it's terrific work. It's so rewarding. Through this whole pandemic, a week hasn't gone by when I haven't been, uh, when I haven't received an offer to respond to a great job posting. And so I think that that more people would would really benefit from feeling like these opportunities were accessible to them. That's really fantastic. I definitely want to encourage people who are listening to this podcast to to look for. Uh, the summit on your website and mm -hmm. your other events. And that's at joy-raising.com. <laughs> so because we're doing this on Zoom, mm -hmm. I can see you smiling when you talk about your work. Mm -hmm. And I know that it is genuinely producing joy. Could you tell me just a little bit, what is your favorite part about the work that you're doing? My favorite part, oh gosh, it's hard because, and I've said to people and people have warned me, you know, as this grows, you will need to delegate more and more of it. And I actually don't have, I don't think, I, I think people who have been on my teams would tell you, I don't have a problem delegating, but I do love so much of this. And so I love, I love the idea, uh, you know, that you, that an idea starts with a little bit of a hint of something and then it grows and you bring people in and, and it gets better and then ultimately people experience it. So I think that's my favorite part is that I get to try things that sound yummy to me and then hopefully to someone else. And then we try it. And also I think when I feel like people find something in their in themselves that they either didn't know was there or gets reawakened. That's really exciting to me. And so I have opportunity after opportunity to do that because most of the work that I do is consulting with organizations. So whether that's one-on-one -on -one executive consulting or working with boards or working with a whole staff or a whole organization, we really are trying to move things forward. So oftentimes people feel stuck or they feel frustrated or they feel overwhelmed. And so it's really fun to be a part of an organization that has a great mission it's trying to do something really good in the world and to help them to realize that. So I don't know if that's, it's certainly not a succinct answer to your question, but it's hard because there's so much of this whole process that I really love. Yeah, that's really incredible. You had really built a lot of momentum in your business and then the pandemic happened. And, you know, that's obviously a very difficult thing, right? And this has been a difficult time for so many folks in in fundraising and just broadly, 
right? Mm -hmm. Um, This has been a very difficult time. So, you know, what have you been doing consciously to continue to thrive during this very difficult time? Sure. I am the parent of two teenagers, one of whom was a senior in high school last year. And so she had so many disappointments throughout the year. And so it was, I was really conscious wanting to make sure that whatever we were doing was moving things forward, that we weren't getting stuck. And so not only for my own family, but in general, I would wake up in the morning and ask, how can I be a blessing today? Do I have anything left to give away? And I always did. So I always had some gratitude in the day. And the reason why I think I always did was because I tried to really make lemonade out of out of the moment. I had broken my ankle uh, about, I guess, a year before the pandemic, a year and some months before the pandemic. And it really had happened because I was over, I was stressed, overtired, undernourished, not taking care of myself. It was such a wake up call. And I really had to make some changes. And so I had learned to sit still because I, ha- I had to heal for several months. And I'd learned to have gratitude about just being able to walk again. And so I felt like I was well suited to make the lemonade out of the moment of the pandemic, embrace what was still left, try out new things like Zoom calls, Zoom cocktail hours with friends that I, you know, love and miss, but don't live near. And so we would do that, you know, weekly and I would dress up for them and make the most of it and just trying to make the best of the situation we were in. And, you know, getting outside, I live in California. And so, you know, you you can do that all year round and um, having some routine as well. But really owning my own experience was really important and, and not apologizing for investing in that was really important. Then also I was managing it. I, I, I manage a team and we went from being, you know, in offices together, pretty cramped to working virtually. And somehow I had to continue to inspire them and keep us connected and, and moving forward with the real big goals. Our goals, our fundraising goals didn't go down. And so, in fact, they went up because there was more to raise money for. And so how could I keep this team still inspired and still productive in a whole new kind of work setting? That was definitely a challenge. But just trying to, trying to find the positive and most of it. You know, and then also forgiving myself when I, when I didn't feel, you know, particularly like being productive in a day to um, to take the nap, to take the break. <laughs> yeah, I think that I can relate to so much of what you just said. I think that having a, a practice of grab, gratitude and intention to, you know, make lemonade um, <laughs> during times like these is so crucial really looking at, you know, that challenge of the broken ankle as an opportunity to actually, you know, reflect and Mm -hmm. learn new ways. So I love that so much. So this podcast is called Living for Purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I would ask you the bonus question of what living for purpose means to you. Well, you know, I'm a person of faith and purpose is something that has been a part of my life, um, my development. And so it doesn't come as something as an as an unimagined idea. And I think for me, it means having clarity 
about how you spend your days. I've been, I've had the privilege of being involved with 1440 Mile Diversity, which is a retreat center in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And uh, 1440 stands for the numbers of minutes that we have in a day. And it's such a great reminder that, you know, we, we have so much choice so often. Certainly there are obligations that we have, responsibilities that we have, but so much of our time we get to choose. You know, I, I have spent a lot of time thinking about how do I want to spend my days? I think as a parent, it's really important that, that you think about that and pouring into your children. And now that my children are 17 and 19, I've obviously poured a lot into them. But for example, I worked at the schools that they were at from the time they were in preschool through some of high school, 30 seconds away from them <laughs> their whole lives. And so that is that is a different way to parent. Finally, my older daughter said, Mom, please just don't go to high school. Don't go to college with me. You cannot go to college with me. And poor <laughs> thing, <laughs> the poor thing, her first term of college, she had to do from home. And so I, there I was at college with her. But, um, you know, that was a choice that I made. I, I had come to California to be a corporate attorney. And I pivoted that to be the type of parent that I needed to be without a lot of family support or unlimited resources for childcare, for example, to be able to work outside of my home, which was something that I wanted to do, but also be a parent that was present and that was a season. And so, you know, I am now doing something entrepreneurial, but my entrepreneurial dreams started 20 years ago and they were delayed for two decades. I said delayed, but not really delayed. I made choices. It, I think that's why you, you may see and hear so much joy because I feel really satisfied with the parenting that I did and, and the work that I did professionally until this moment and really excited about this moment. And so embracing the different seasons um, that we're in is really a part of purpose as well. Awesome. I love that. You know, as we're wrapping it up, I do want to be able to connect our listeners to your work. I'm wondering what what is the best opportunity for them to do that and how can they connect with you? Sure, I would would love that. The best opportunity is to reach out to me at, at Joy Raising. I'm Tesha at joy-raising.com. And um, we do a variety of things. One thing is called the relaunch. And that's where we really, it's a four-part series where we unpack the things that we may be doing that are working well for us, but are standing in our way of being anti-racist organizations. And so whether that's looking at who's how our board composition or our um, events or the way we're prospecting donors, those are things that we can re-examine and, and reframe and do in more inclusive ways. And so that's a series that people can, can be a part of. There are other things that we're doing. We're having, um, I'm obsessed with the book cast by Isabel Wilkerson. I feel like every adult in the United States needs to read it if they're, if they're serious about um, doing diversity work. And um, so I've been hosting some conversations about that book as well, for example. So I love being in touch and would love to hear from anyone who has questions about what we're up to. Great. Great. That sounds really cool. I'm going to put all of those links in the show notes so mm -hmm. that people can find those um, as easily as possible. So, wow. Thank you. I think that the work that you're doing is so important. You inspire me in so many ways personally as as well as professionally and i just want to thank you so much for taking the time to share your work and your journey with us today 
Absolutely. It was a joy to be in touch and to talk to you. And thank you so much for sharing your platform, uh, not only with me, but with others, um, with the hope of, of helping people to find balance and, and more joy, I hope. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Living for Purpose podcast. If you're ready to make your move and create the wildly healthy and balanced life you deserve, please subscribe to the podcast and sign up for our email at livingforpurpose.co. We'll see you next week. Thank you.